Welcome. You are listening to Intentional Conversations from Nika White Consulting, an encore presentation of our weekly podcast where we intersect diversity, equity, and inclusion with leadership and business. Let the conversation begin. Now, it does me great pleasure, and today is really special for me. I will go ahead and tell you all that there's a lot of history between me and this co-host. <laughs> and so we are, I have no doubt that it's going to be a really rich conversation. But as I normally do, I'm going to give a formal introduction, sharing Sia's um, accolades, her credentials, so that you have a little bit of flavor for how she's showing up to this space. And then we will welcome her and um, have her to greet this audience in her own way. Sia Justice is an uncompromising advocate for social change. She is a DEI executive committed to challenging, changing, and shaping the mindset of others to create a culture of intentional inclusion. She is authentic, high energy, inspirational leader with a passion for driving business to the next level through innovation, empowerment, development, and accountability. Sia currently works for Raytheon Technologies as head of DEI, Global Employee Engagement, reporting directly into the Chief Diversity Officer. There, she is responsible for elevating the employee experience through the company's employee resource groups. Inspired by her personal experiences, Sia Justice has dedicated herself to challenging the mindset of others so that we may create an environment where inclusion and equity are, my favorite word, intentional. So vodcast community do me the great pleasure of helping me to provide a warm welcome to my friend, my, my colleague in this space of this work of DEI. Let her know that she is appreciated and welcome here today. I'm going to stop sharing my screen so that I can amplify her. There's so much I can say. And before I give her just the stage to greet you in her own way, um, I'll have you know that I may call her C, I may call her Sarisa, because y'all, we go way back into college days. And I'm going to try to keep it professional, but I do know that probably some of the Nika and C conversations that took place then will find its way into this conversation if we're being authentic. And that's just how we flow. So I hope that you will give us that liberty to do so today. And so um, I am adding you, Sarisa, and I want you to, in your own way, to greet this audience. And I will tell you that we don't want to hear stuff that I've already read in your bio, right? We want to hear more about what are those intersecting identities? What do we not know about Sia, or C as I always call you, that uh, we could not learn from reading your bio? And so spill the beans, spill the tea, all the tea. <laughs> Yes. Well, first of all, as you're reading my bio, I'm over here like, yes, girl, that is me. That is me. That was intentional in creating that person that you just read out in that bio. But um, who am I? I am a mother. I am a wife. Uh, intersectionality wise, um, I identify, um, use the pronoun she, her, but uh, I identify, of course, Black uh, woman. I'm also a veteran. Um, I am uh, identify as a lesbian. Um, disability, I'm checking all of the intersectionality uh, blocks. So when I think about the work that I do, um, man, it just feels so natural, right? Um, just like I just kind of fell into this work that it is what God purposed me to do. And I'm super excited uh, to be here today. But I'm telling you, everything that you described in that bio is me. You will get all the passion. You're going to get all of the authenticity from me. And I am okay if we toggle back and forth. Uh, what I want the audience to understand again is uh, is the intentionality and in who I am. That is the platform that I stand on, right? Um, you know me as Teresa. That is still on my government ID as Teresa. Uh, I had a different last name uh, when you knew me, 
And so if I could just kind of share a, a little bit when I think about, you know, who I am, uh, a lot of times people call me the BU coach. And they call me that because if you are ever showing up in a space to where I don't feel like you're being authentic, I'm going to call you out on that because I think that the world is always better when we are showing up as our authentic selves. And so when I think about my own journey, uh, growing up in Greenville, South Carolina, uh, and all of uh, you know the, the, the joy that that brought, there was also some pain associated with that old me. And so um, as I went on this personal journey, right, of self-reflection, um, I decided, hey, you know what? Um, a lot of the belief system that I was, that I was a fed, right, as a child didn't really resonate with me. Uh, even as a young kid, I was that kid that was questioning everything. It went way beyond why, right? Um, and so I got to a point in my life, kind of coming out and healing from some trauma, that I decided that I get to choose who I am in this world, that at the end of this race, right, that we're in, this journey, that it's only going to be a conversation between me and God. He's not going to ask uh, all of the folks in the back, right, uh, to weigh in on me and how I showed up. And so if that is going to be my end game, then I should, of course, be able to have some say in that journey, right? And so part of that was creating my avatar, as I like to call and so if I look at the person that I am today, baby, this was work. I had to put some work in, but I was very clear in who I wanted to be and how I wanted to show up in this world. And so when people talk about me, I want them to say things like inspiring. I want them to say that she showed up in love, that she showed up in kindness, that she truly made a difference in this world. And so um, I created this person that you see today, Sia Justice. When I think about the, the, the name Justice, I chose that. Guys, I chose that name. That's my name. I chose it. It is my legacy. And so I get to create every single day um, what I want to be living up, up to this, this avatar that I've created. And now that legacy that I'm creating right now lives on in my children. And so that old person, right, all of that trauma that was associated with that old person doesn't exist anymore. That's my past. Who I am right now is the person that I'm proud to be. And uh, I continue every single day to uh, make sure that I'm doing this avatar that I created, me walking in all of my authenticity and what God created in me to be um, is truly my focal point in every single day. This is so inspiring already. And we're, we're only like all just right. a few minutes in. So I am, I'm, I'm feeling all the things, all, all the feelings. And so uh, where do I start? So first and foremost, I think that we all need to, you know, to really think about this whole concept of um, reimagining ourselves and claiming that and standing in that authenticity. And so I'm just going to invite this audience in your own way, whether you're on LinkedIn live watching, go to the comment section or whether you're actually here in this podcast community, go to the, the chat section. And if you had to change your name or think about an avatar for yourself, just, just I want to give you the moment just to think about that and place that into the chat. And we all are going to be following the conversations. And so, Sia, I am so glad that I have been probably maybe among maybe a small, you know, selective group of individuals that have remained connected to you throughout this evolution of life. And I don't know if I've ever really expressed this to you, but part of my confidence was inspired by... Sarisa Crouch, who, who was how I knew you at the time, mm -hmm. uh, and C, that's what I used to always call her, and I still do to this day. And I just remember seeing you on the campus of University of South Carolina. Here I am, a freshman, just so new, and I, I'm just like trying to understand who am I? What do I want out of life? What am I going to do here? What is my mark going to be? And I don't know what it was, but you saw something in me, and you just like took me as a little sister under your wing, and we became inseparable. 
And it was so mm -hmm. inspiring because I remember thinking, okay, I'm seeing her one moment walk across campus in her National Guard uniform, just like boss. And then I'm seeing her the next second in her heels and her power suit, just like boss. I'm like, who is she? I was just so intrigued. Who is she? What is she about? And I want some of that. And um, it was just such an important um, relationship for me during that time. And it continues to, to be an important relationship. And you always know when it's a genuine friendship and relationship, when you continue to find your way back to each other. And that's been our story year after year after year. So I love you as my friend, as my sister. And it is exactly. such a joy to now also be able to have conversations where we can talk about this work that we are just both so passionate and excited about, which is the world of DEI. So anyway, thank you for giving me that moment because I needed to express that. Okay, so lots of questions for you. I wanna start with really just building off of some of the words and the language that found its way into your bio. And, and you know these words resonate with me because I have, I use them as well. The word intentional, first and foremost, if you all know me, you know that it's the most powerful word in the vocabulary, according to me, in my opinion, I use it for everything. It governs my life. And then of course, when you put inclusion with it, I think that it helps to actualize something that can be such a game changer for so many of us, all of us, if we allow it. And so what does the words intentional inclusion mean to you? And, um, and how does it fit into the work that you do from an employee resource group perspective, which has been really the space in this broad category of DEI that you have spent so much time perfecting and grooming and growing and, and actualizing. So let's talk about that. Yes, well, first of all, I wanna say, Queen, I am so proud of you. Um, I saw this moment, this moment where you are right now is what I saw uh, in your eyes as a freshman. I always knew that you would be great and you're out here living um, that, that vision, right? If I had a vision for you um, right now, you're living in that moment and I'm so proud of you. Uh, and when I think about, you know, the term intentional inclusionist, let's be honest, uh, your first book, right? Uh, the journey of that first book is really when I begin to understand that inclusionist piece. I think that was, you know, maybe the second or third time I really heard that term really floating around in the space. And so um, I began to do my, my own research on it. But uh, like I alluded to earlier, we are uh, walking around pre-programmed, right, since birth on how we're supposed to think, how we're supposed to act. Uh, social norms have really dictated a lot of who we are, right? And we just get up every single day and we just do it. We think about our values. We think about our belief systems that our grandparents and our great-great-grandparents instilled in us. And we get up and we're just operating. We don't even think about why we believe or we do the things that we do. In fact, 95% of what we do every single day is on autopilot. So yes. could you imagine getting up and having to learn how to speak? and learn how to walk every single day. Like our brains were wired to protect us in that space, right? So we don't have to relearn all of these things that are critical to our survival. Now, if, if that if we adopt that as true, then we have to also understand that if there's gonna be any change in us, we have to be what? Intentional, your favorite word, right? And when I think about intentional inclusionists, uh, those are people that recognize that in order for any change to happen, that we've got to reprogram, that everything that they do, whether it is a new systems, whether it is a new programming that's been implemented in a space, we got to have the voices, not just in the room, at the table talking, right? Uh, but more importantly, they are a deliberate, right, in seeking 
uh, those voices. And so when I think about uh, intentional inclusion is, as it relates to our ERGs, and this is the work that I do every single day, those are the voices that we need to, to be seeking out, right? They're the voice of our customers, but they can also help us with, um, I like to call it cultural mindset shift, right? We think about this work that we do every single day. It does require us to be intentional. It also requires us to do um, a lot of self-reflecting and, and understanding. And I can't think of a, a group of people within any, any organization that we can tap, right, to help us uncover anything that's happening within our system that would say, you know what, we might need to, to make some change, right? And all of that starts with us being intentional. We gotta be intentional. Again, intentional so that we can get past that autopilot pre-programming that exists within all of us. And I think that when we, when we get to a place of, um, of creating that, even within our ERG leaders, right, helping them to be intentional inclusionists, We'll feel the impact not just in the workspace, but also in our in um in our communities because yes. now we are helping and treating the whole person. Yes, helping and treating the whole person. I love that. See, so let's talk a little bit more about ERGs, employee resource groups, which again you've spent a lot of your time in this space, really um, perfecting and crafting how to evolve and make sure that there's a high level of efficacy and the output that ERGs, BRGs bring to an organization. And so I want to talk about the intersection of employee resource groups with uh, employee well-being. What do you see as that connection point? And um, how can more organizations kind of lean into making sure they are prioritizing the well-being through the efforts of their ERGs? We cannot, we can't talk about this topic enough, Queen. Um, we think about all the stuff that has happened. We think about, um, you know, just being in the middle of, of a pandemic or coming out of a pandemic and all of the change that that that, that caused. Uh, we have things that are happening uh, in the workplace where people are leaving, right? Um, and, and we have this, this new thing, a quiet quitting, where people are saying, you know what, um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing all that extra stuff you know, anymore, all of this extra work um, for, for, uh, and being underpaid for it. So many things are happening. And then we, we look at all of the civil unrest that has happened yeah. over the last few years. If we are not talking about this in our companies, man, what are we doing with our lives? Like, we need to be talking about this. And when I think about um, our ERGs, and just to kind of give you some, some backstory, mm -hmm. um, this job that I'm in right now uh, at Raytheon is amazing because I, and, and I feel like when I took this job and I was interviewing for it, I was like, this is my job. Y'all go ahead and give it to me because God made this one for me. And I say that because I have 25 plus years of leadership and development experience. This journey of employee resource groups, uh, I'm walking inter intersectionality billboard. But I've also led in some pretty big organizations where we had membership bases of 20,000 um, you know, plus members in, in one particular affinity group. And so this work for me is personal. And so to be able to step into these shoes, right, and lead from the lens of my intersectionality, lead from the lens of my leadership and development experience, but also lead um, from a place as a previous ERG leader is just a godsend. And so when we talk about employee well-being uh, in ERGs, I really feel like it all goes hand in hand. When we think about um, really what our what employee resource group stands for, it really is about creating that that psychological uh, safety for all of our employees, right? Creating a space where people can come and express themselves, they can offer up their opinions, they uh, share their unique perspectives. And we all, all know that when we do that, when we allow people, we create that space for people to do that, we get the best. We get, we get more uh, productivity. We get um, uh, better innovative 
uh, products uh, being produced. So all of these things we know. But when I think about the role that ERGs play, um, sometimes people feel more comfortable, right, confiding and voicing their concerns in people that they feel naturally understand their experience because these people have a shared experience. They can also be a real big catalyst for, for change, right, within an organization because our ERGs can help identify barriers and any opportunity that is getting in the way of creating uh, employee well-being. Uh, and we can we, we know all of the other things, the activities that we can do to to um, to to make sure that our employees are good. But I would love to see um, companies leveraging ERGs in an even bigger capacity when it comes down to employee well-being. Understanding that if you want to know what's what's going on with people, don't don't trust the news, don't trust the article. Ask the people that you're working for. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, in my current seat, I spend a lot of time talking about the mental health, um, employee well-being as it relates to our ERG population, because many of them do have unique experiences based on their intersectionality. And we have to make sure, once again, treating the whole person, that we're paying attention to that. Yeah, no, that's awesome, C. And do you believe that all of your intersecting identities positions you um, in a way to be best equipped to actually address being the head of all of the ERG experiences, I would imagine that that's incredibly helpful. Can you talk about how that has really translated into some of maybe the success stories that you've been able to create from your seat and your intersectional lens? Mm -hmm. When I think about buy-in and, and being able to build trust, especially with the, the employees, it helps, right? You know me, I live my life authentically. There is nothing um, in my closet right? <laughs> um, uh, that, that I, don't, I don't share because I really believe that um, everything that happens in life is a journey and um, life doesn't happen uh, uh, to us, it happens for us. Mm -hmm. And I believe that it all becomes part of our testimony. And so in me being authentically who I am and sharing uh, my journey, uh, it, it does create a space for me to, uh, to gain trust relatively quickly and relatively easy. But I will tell you, I'm still learning in this space. I remember when, um, you know, I've, I've, I've always identified as long as I can remember. Girl, even when we were back in college, right, that was me trying to find myself. Uh, <laughs> but I've always felt like, you know, um, I was gay. Um, and growing up in the Bible Belt of, of Greenville, South Carolina, and having a grandfather that was a minister, trust me, that, that was a struggle with me, right? Um, but even, even being in, in the LGBTQ community, there are things that I don't know. Like people come to me and they want to help me to, to explain pronouns. Of course, I've done the research and now I'm an expert, but I struggled with, with that, right? Mm -hmm. um, I uh, am a lesbian, but I can't speak on behalf of what a transgender person may need when it comes down to benefits. And so I think that absolutely it's great. My intersectionality gives me a lens that most people don't have. Um, it puts me in a seat to be able to uh, get people to trust me uh, a little bit quicker because once again, you know, we, we tend to um, feel comfortable talking to those people that look like us because they have the shared experience. Um, but it's, it's, it, 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 there's still opportunity for me to learn too, right? Um, okay. I, I can only talk about my experience as a Black woman. I can't talk about the experience of a Black man. And so, um, yes, it definitely helps. Um, but I don't get too blinded by that, understanding that there's still opportunity for me to ally. Uh, there's still opportunity for me to learn as well. Yeah, no, I love that. See, I love the the humility. And yes, I do have a lens and a perspective with these different intersections um, of identities that I 
I identify with. But again, yeah, no one group is a monolith. I can't tell you all the things that everybody's feeling that's part of, you know, this particular community or this community. Um, and so I think that's such an important thing to, to amplify. Um, and so I, I want to shift and I want to talk a little bit more about the ERGs. Specifically, I want to talk about ERGs as it relates to helping to build talent pipelines, particularly of individuals that find themselves part of, I like to say, underestimated populations, underrepresented, right? So how have you seen um, the intersection work of, of some of the efforts of ERGs with helping to increase a more diverse representative uh, pipeline of talent? Yes. And so um, I can tell you, I, I won't say that this is a new concept, but I think that companies that are not looking at our ERGs um, as business partners are missing a huge opportunity. I've worked for two Fortune prior to coming to Raytheon. I worked for uh, two Fortune 100 companies. And I can tell you that they were not running their ERGs like that. Um, the ERG leaders were glorified event planners, right? Uh, Bringing yeah. in speakers to inspire for the moment. And I've always felt like uh, even serving in those roles, that was the wrong approach to take. If we uh, have DEI goals to increase representation, right? Um, why wouldn't we invest within our own company and make sure that we're creating development programs for that underrepresented talent? And I'm not talking about your 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 normal run-of-the-mill, um, you know, development programs. Those are great too. But I'm talking about being really intentional. Most ERG programs, uh, tenure is two years. So you think about this. We have two years to develop and cultivate what I like to call in my current role global um, inclusionist mindset leaders, right? Because we, we're all over the world uh, here at Raytheon. And so um, one of the things that, that I had an opportunity to do is when they hired me for this role, Raytheon itself has four business units, so four individual companies that operate as their own entities within uh, the RTX name. Uh, each one of them have their own presidents, their own DNI teams, their own ERGs. And so they brought me in to centralize and, and create one big massive, uh, you know, um, uh, ERG group. Mm -hmm. um, and so one of the things that I said, well, okay, well, show me what we're doing. What, what are our goals? Like, what is it that we're trying to attain? Because this becomes a really unique opportunity for us to set this up as a development incubator. And that's exactly what I've done. I have two years with these leaders. Most of our ERG leaders are volunteers. They're coming from various parts of the business. They're coming with various degrees of experience. And how often have we seen, um, you know, ERG leaders, again, do nothing but plan events? Some of that uh, is because we, we're not teaching them what else they can do. We're not teaching them the power of their voice. We're not giving them the platform so that they can speak and be heard. And so when I took this role coming from, you know, my day job uh, over at, you know, T-Mobile and leading the largest um, uh, affinity group there, which was the Women and Allies Network, to coming over here, I said, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I have these leaders for two years. I got 25 years of leadership and development experience. No way I'm going to trust people that are volunteering their time to just come in and do this hard work with no training. And so we're not just doing DNI training, we're doing leadership training. Because at the end of the two years, what I'm hoping in the, in the metrics that I'm looking at is how many of these leaders are we promoting, right? How many of these leaders are not only being promoted, but moving across business units? Because that's not something we have historically seen within the company, right? Usually you cap out it at, at, within your business unit and then that's it. There is no uh, moving across. And so I've done something a little bit unique here 
uh, at Raytheon, where we have all of the business units um, on, on a board together. I see Toki on here. Hey, Toki. Um, you know, she, she was instrumental. And in, yes, so we're, we're using Toki's um, yes. software, right, yes. to manage our ERGs. And we've, we've never had, you know, software like that before. And so Toki and I are becoming a fast friends as we, um, as she support, because what I'm doing is unique. So she has to give me something that's unique and she's over there working really hard. But um, again, I feel like it's really important for us to train them, right? Not to just be good ERG leaders, but to be good leaders. And when we do that, the impact is endless, right? We not only align um, and, and get clear on the work that needs to be done in, in the business, but we also get to, um, again, take these leaders from point A to point Z, but then use them within our company. Can you imagine... Uh, you know, and, and how I envision it is I want people when they need top talent in this company to call me because they know that we've, we've, we've invested the time and that these leaders, they have a different mindset. They have a growth mindset. They're looking through a global lens. They're no longer, you know, put into this box. They have done the self-work and the self-awareness work to recognize that they have unconscious bias and they're doing something about it. Those are the types of leaders I want leading me and leading any company that I work for. And so I'm using this opportunity with these ERGs to create just that. I have 380 leaders within RTX that I get to, um, to influence and train and develop to be leaders of tomorrow. And we think about the times that we're in now and the leadership qualities that are necessary to lead in this time is different. And I can't think of any other place to start than, with, than uh, within our underrepresented talent that sits within our ERG. Absolutely. I hope y'all are feeling this energy that I have had the pleasure of being connected to for so many years now. I'm so proud of you, see. Let me just let me just go ahead and interject that. So so much of what you just shared, I, I I wanna I wanna comment on and unpack a little bit. First, I'm so glad that you know Toki. Toki is certainly a friend of NWCs as well. So Toki, I want to invite you to place into the chat information around this tool that um, I know that Raytheon is using and that also NWC is familiar with, so that this community can be um, aware of it. And then secondly, you said something, C, which was that um, oftentimes ERG leaders become. Um, glorified event planners. I think that's what you use. And you're so right. And what I love about how you have um, evolutionized ERGs within Raytheon is that you have placed the business-centric aspect along with, of course, modeling the importance of the well-being and the development so that the output, I think, is much more meaningful and sustainable. And organizations need to be able to see how is this connecting from an ROI perspective. So I value that so much. And it leads me to a question, which is, have you all ever contemplated whether or not to change the nomenclature from ERG to BRG for that purpose? Because it is a big conversation right now, and I think that it helps to amplify the business-centric, but I'm also keenly aware that if we amplify the business aspect, does it swing the pendulum too far in the other direction to where we don't continue to value the well-being and some of the other aspects that definitely need to be centered as we think about just humanity in general? So what are your thoughts about that? Yes, I, I think I think you just you just explained um, the, the dilemma, right? Yeah. Um, I'm coming in brand new to Raytheon Technologies, right? And I have all this in, uh, this intersectionality and all this energy and passion. But girl, I'm still on the outside. They don't trust me. They don't know me. <laughs> you know, from from the girl next door, I'm hired to do this job. And so the undertaking that I had was a really big job. And so I came in the door saying business resource groups. 
And it was off with your head. You're already coming in, taking our ERGs. You're already doing yeah. all this change. We ain't about to do all of that. And so I had to pick and choose my battles, right? right. Um, I can tell you that if I look at where I started a, a, a little bit over a year ago and the conversations that these leaders are, are having now, I had an opportunity to um, sit in some affinity circles with, uh, with, with, uh, with, with uh, Tara J. Frank. She's doing some work with, with us. And um, I was so proud because they're getting it. The leaders themselves are saying, Sia is positioning us um, very strategically in the company because the model, the framework that I brought over uh, is, very, is, is very clear in terms of what people are doing. And we position them in a way to where they are influencing this high level decisions, right? Mm -hmm. And so during the conversation, they were saying things like, uh, Sia is positioning us so that we can impact business uh, goals. We are, we are instrumental in uh, helping to shape what our business looks like. And I'm so glad. I've been very intentional about planting the seed, but haven't done the change. I think the time uh, for us to do this is now. If we're saying that we want DNI to be rooted in the DNA of who we are as companies, right? Um, part of that is, is getting very serious about the position that our ERGs play. Um, is it just a play on words? You know, can we still take care of the employee and still be aligned to the business? I absolutely think we can. I just think it just requires a cultural shift, right? People to change their mindset and to not get so caught up in the in the language or the word um, and the description of what that is, and 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 really spend the time um, uh, really shaping, right, what the group stands for. So I will tell you now. Uh, I don't know if any great young people on here, but the plan is uh, at the end of this journey that we will be. Uh, changing our names to business resource groups because that aligns more with who we are and what we're doing. Um, again, it was just a whole lot of change that I took uh, the team through, and that was something that was super important. I'm still trying to understand why from from the ERG leaders in in, in base, um, but for me, that that would be an end goal. I, I think it totally makes sense. No, I love that. And it is important sometimes to be very strategic about, you know, where are there opportunities to go slow, to go fast, right? And to really create Absolutely. that impact. And so I, I definitely understand the rationale. But yeah, you know, we often at NWC have conversations with many clients that we support around BRG formation. And that's one of the talking points is, you know, what really is the the ultimate um, priority for, for what you want the output to be relevant? And it always usually boils back down to business. Um, and so I think that's why you know, we have such an affinity to really being able to, to capitalize on the language there because words matter. Um, but yeah, so, so, so excited to see that there's already conversations along that, that, that lines. So we're going to shift and I know that I've been capitalizing the conversation and I, I want all of C, but I'm going to share her now. And I want you all to be able to have an opportunity <laughs> to ask your questions or maybe to contribute um, to the conversation in whatever way that feels good to you. And um, I'm going to first um, actually ask if um, Toki, I can bring you to the fore because you do have a question that you place into chat. Um, I'm going to add you as a spotlight and invite you to um, share your question or your comments at this time. Thanks for being here. Well, thanks again, uh, always Dr. White, for providing this opportunity. Very grateful for these conversations that you always host. And uh, Sia, always, always learning something new from you and inspiring. Um, appreciate you both. Uh, the question that I have is, uh, Sia, in your current role, it's a huge, huge organization. What's been your biggest challenge in getting everyone on board from employees all across the different business units? 
it's a huge, huge organization. <laughs> that has been the challenge. Um, I can tell you, told you walking into this this role um, and coming from from where I, I previously previously was at T-Mobile, spending you know a little over ten years there. Uh, definitely a very different culture. Um, uh, I work with a whole bunch of engineers. Everybody over here, they're they're all doctors. They're all super super smart. Um, and there's, it's always analytical. Everything has been, been analyzed, right? And so for me, I'm a people person. I come with all this energy and passion. And uh, sometimes we don't know what to do with that. Uh, I think specifically uh, in this role, what has been the biggest challenge is getting people to um, move from a fixed mindset to more of a growth mindset. Uh, people accept change, right? They go, yeah, we get it. There's, we're, we're going through this big merger, but there's always limitations to that, right? And so it's like, oh, we can only handle so much change. Oh, just, just a little. Well, maybe if you could just change that. Don't change this. And so for me, I'm coming in and I'm like, listen, we, we got to scrap the whole thing. Like everything needs to be changed, but we're going to build it back um, up and we're going to do it together. And so um, I think what has helped me um, in, in not become such a uh, overwhelming experience is I worked in retail um, and I managed, you know, uh, stores. And so I'm understanding uh, and coming from an environment where change is always on the go, recognizing that I'm over communicating sometimes, right? Collaborating, bringing people along where I'm not handing them everything. Uh, I'm actually consulting and saying, hey, this is what I'm proposing. I'm giving you the the, guide, the, the guardrails, but I need you to kind of fill in the meat of this. Uh, has been really, really, uh, uh, has made it easier. Another thing is I came right in and engaged our executives, right? Um, right off the bat, like what, what, what do I need to accomplish? Okay, I can accomplish this on my own, but I can accomplish it faster if I have my executives on board. And so being an executive, it was uh, easier for me to connect there. And then um, I, I did some other things, right, um, to, to um, understand the, the, the current landscape of what was currently out there. And doing some of that research, and, and uh, I actually took a page out of Mika's book. She helped me with some things uh, over at T-Mobile. And understanding the true climate change uh, or the climate, I, I, I recognized what needed to, to be changed. And I was very strategic in doing it. But to answer your question, this is a very, very big shift, right? I had to set expectations that things were not going to move as fast as I would uh, like to see them move because it is a very, very big organization. It's also very complicated, right? Uh, we have four business units, Toki, as you know, within RTX, and they're all over the globe. And a lot of the things that we do in DNI doesn't always translate globally. Right. Um, we could talk about, you know, black employees. Well, guess what? Um, that's not how they're identified in other countries. And so how do we create some some um, some common language that translates um, all over? And so um, that has been the biggest challenge, I'll be honest, is how do we take care of our domestic business, but also take care of our international business, bringing them together? Because there's this sense that we um, we operate right in these silos that we don't need to operate in if we're trying to create global inclusionist mindset leaders. Um, but the reality is, it is really two different worlds. And so where I am right now, and you're helping me with this work, is how do we begin to um, bridge? Like, how do we create a bridge between our domestic and our international in this huge company that's already so complex? Yeah, your strategy is awesome. And uh, change is coming. We got your back. <laughs> yes, awesome. I was so happy to see that email from you yesterday, just so you know. <laughs> that was great. 
Thanks so much for being here, Toki. Really, really appreciate your support of, of this podcast community. Okay, so if you have a question, please raise your hand, and that lets me know that you're willing to have to, you know yourself to be unmuted and to be spotlighted to share um, directly. Um, but you also can share your comments or questions into the chat as well. While I wait um, to see if there are any hands that may come up or some thoughts placed into the chat, letting me know that you wish to share, I'm going to go to another question, Sia. And um, you use language development incubators as you were talking about ERGs, BRGs. And I've never quite heard that language in association with ERGs, and I love it. And so for those who are sitting back and they're listening to this conversation, they're being really inspired by how in which you've been able to take this really important concept and to move it to a place where people are feeling and experiencing leadership development, because I do love the amplification of leadership in the context of DEI. Inclusion is leadership, but they want to know how can we how can we frame and evolve our BRGs, ERGs, with this mentality of development incubators? What are maybe like the top two or three tips that you would share relevant to that question? Hmm, top two or three um, tips and how we, how we, um, Create it, huh, man. It's just so now. I don't even think about um, this type of stuff now. I just, I just kind of get in there and do it. Um, I think that the very first um, uh, thing that, um, if I think about, you know, coming here, the very first thing that I did was um, we, we have to assess what people are, right, and understand that um, everybody's an individual. And I had a unique opportunity here because we have different pay levels. We have um, different business units, you know, folks coming in to uh, to lead um, as volunteers and in, in, in um, within our ERGs, and so really understanding um, the need, right? Um, if we're saying that we want to change our visible representation uh, of our demographics within our company, um, what does that look like, and, and what's the plan? And so I do a lot of partnering with talent, right, um, on the recruitment end. You'll never go to one of our events and not see our ERG leaders there uh, in the booth talking about the experience. Um, I do things like uh, if someone is interviewing within the company, um, I can pair them up with someone from an ERG and they could talk about the culture and how their personal experience has been prior to them accepting a, uh, accepting a job. Um, and so I would say let's let's first start in and truly understand uh, what the what the need is for the company from a development standpoint. And then um, be intentional with partnerships with with uh, with talent, with leadership and development. If you have that within within uh, your company, and then put together a plan of what that looks like. Um, I am a advocate of tapping people like you, Nika, to come in uh, with a, a different experience or perspective to pour into our leaders. And so, uh, what external partnerships can I create? to bring in support, um, you know, in, into uh, the leaders. And then anything that we do, we have to be able to measure it. And so uh, now that we have this, this development program that's out there, what are, what are some of the KPIs that we're hoping? What's gonna be the return on, on investment that we're looking um, to, to attain? And then what are some of the things that we're doing uh, to measure it, right? Um, I have tons of experience in terms of, uh, of, of developing, but I don't know everything that, that uh, our leaders need. And there's some areas and doing that initial assessment that I was able to see, I, I'm gonna have to tap some other folks uh, to bring them in to, to get it. And then last but not least, we can ask our leaders what they want. We can ask them what they feel like they need help with and create programming around uh, what they're telling us that they need. No, absolutely. Go go directly to the source. What are your needs? What does support look like for you yep. in this moment? And how can we deliver upon that? I love that. And I'm going to put in a not so shameless plug to be able to say, yes, NWC stands ready 
to support Raytheon and to support you, Sia, <laughs> and all the work that you're leading with this global company. And, and we, we certainly look for an opportunity to be able to, to do that. So talking about the authentic Sia justice, part of also mm -hmm. what's part of your messaging platform, just how you show up is this confidence of not only in yourself, but helping other women to have that same level of confidence. And so you have created something that's called Sister Tribe Vibes. And I want you to share with this community what inspired it, what is it about, and how can people learn more? Yes. Oh, man. It, it, that, that's my baby. And it, it is continuing to, to morph. And it started out, if I think about um, me and the companies that I've worked for, I worked for Xerox, I worked for, for T-Mobile. And we think about in the executive ranks, I didn't see myself. And, uh, or if I saw, saw myself, it was like one, one, one or two. And I think about, you know, my journey to be the leader that I am today. Cool girl, I wasn't always so polished. Um, sometimes I was a little bit too raw in my messaging. And instead of getting people, uh, you know, bought into it, I was pushing them away. And it took some amazing women in my life, some mentors that pulled me aside and took the time to pour into me. And to teach me, uh, you know, how to be a little bit more politically savvy, right? How to still show up as my authentic self, but understand the importance of recognizing who my audience is. And as a result of that coaching and training uh, at T-Mobile, I, I went through the ranks quickly uh, up to executive. And so Sister Tribe Vibes is my way to give back, right? It's a way to, for me to do for other women what was done for me. Uh, to have, you know, conversations that are real, uh, telling folks what they what they need to hear, right? Um, not just always what they what they should hear, but also creating a platform where um, we can share our experience and we can be there to support one another uh, through mentorship, right? Uh, through advocacy, through sharing of of, uh, of our business ideas. Uh, and there's so many things that we're doing. And like I said, it's continuing to morph. But it all started with the premise of I stood on the shoulders of some giants. And so now that I'm where, where I am, I want to make sure that I'm giving back, I'm reaching back, and I'm allowing people to utilize my network and my resources uh, to achieve success. Um, and then also, when we think about, again, that mental health capacity, mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you, as Black women, we have been programmed that we just, we got, we have supercates since we were babies. And that's just what we're supposed to do. We just do it. And we don't ask questions and we don't pause and we don't think about um, the things that we need. We're just not groomed to be that. And so this also uh, creates a space and a platform for me to say, yes, girl, you are a superhero, but self-care is important too. You got to take care of you. Your cup has to be filled. Your oxygen mask has to be on first before you can help someone else. And so um, helping and pouring into women to help them to understand that you're not just a title, you're not just uh, a mother uh, or, or uh, a spouse. There's so much more to you. And so many women, when I ask that question in workshops and I say who you are, the very first place they start, they start running down their resume. And I'm like, girl, that's not who you are. Tell <laughs> me who you are. And a lot of times they burst into tears because they've never thought about it. Who they are, their identity is tied into all of the other things that they do. And so uh, with Sister Tribe Vibes, we help you uh, create sister circles so that you can get to that authentic uh, you, right? And truly embrace that because that is the secret to you unleashing your superpower. And so, like I said, it is continuing to morph. This thing started off as, as small um, and it, it now um, has morphed to uh, over 11,000 members uh, that we have. And again, we do mentorship. 
Uh, if you're planning a, a girl's trip, you could uh, reach out to our resources and we can give you a whole kit of conversations that you can have, intentional conversations that you can have during your girl trips so that we're continuing as women to pour into one another. I do agree that so much of how in which we talk about our identity is wrapped up in what we do. And Mauricio said it best into the chat, what you do and who you are are two separate things. So I love that you're amplifying that for all of the women that are gifted with this, this sister circle um, community. Um, there's nothing like the power of serving others and sharing knowledge that can unite and elevate and empower women. And you do that so incredibly well. So tell me what's next on the horizon for sister tribes? How can people that are listening to this um, get involved and to learn more? So you can go to the website, Sister Tribe Vibes um, there. We uh, just launched our mentorship program. And so if you're looking to be a mentor, um, and, and this is open, like a lot of times people go, uh, well, see, I want to be a mentor, but I'm not a black woman. <laughs> like, I know you're not, but you know, we still need you, right? Um, it doesn't matter who you are. Mentorship uh, is just important on so many uh, different levels. And so um, that is what we're working on right now, really building out that mentorship arm. And so if you're interested in mentoring or you're interested in being a, uh, a mentor, please sign up. If you need mentorship, it's a really great um, space uh, for you. Um, you're going to see a complete overhaul here in the next few months as I really begin to do a better job of branding the BU coach, right, um, and getting out. I'm, I'm, I'm a certified life coach as it is, but um, really uh, I guess expanding my, my messaging of authenticity, right? Um, there's, there's so much power in people being who God created them to be. And uh, I wish that more people would uh, show up and, and encourage, right? Um, I wish that more companies created safe spaces. I wish that we all were more knowledgeable about the power that we have to control the destiny of our own lives through the power of choice. And so for me, um, you know, expanding on Sister Tribe Vibes, expanding on the BU Coach is going to be that platform to really amp up the messaging around authenticity and uh, that unique value that you bring to the table when you embrace truly who you are. A lot of people, and, and some of it, we've been taught, we've been taught. Uh, oh, you can't do that. You can't say that. You can't. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you're suppressing, then you're not getting the best of me. And I think this world would be a whole lot better if people were allowed to just be the best version of themselves. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I want to have a more active role in teaching people how to do that, um, being a catalyst for that, and then also offering a platform uh, for people to, to discover what that looks like for their own lives. I love that. And I am, I happen to be familiar with your kind of BU talk, at least at a high level. And so I do encourage people that are interested and they're hearing this information too. Um, and the link's been placed into the chat, sistertribevibes.com. So thank you, Shaniqua, for placing that to the chat for this community. I also want to put in another plug because there's an opportunity coming up next month on October 20th, where NWC has been supporting a longtime client, the Greenville Chamber, with um, creation and execution of their full day diversity, equity, and inclusion summit and it's going to take place again October 20th in a virtual capacity and you are facilitating and presenting one of those uh, one of those actual uh, breakout sessions so super excited for you to be a part of that um, the website for those who may be interested is deisummit.com I'll ask one of my colleagues to drop that into the chat so that you can learn more um, but but thank you for saying yes to that opportunity 
Now I wanna I wanna just touch on something quickly because we like to bring um, recent news and the buzz that's happening into these intentional conversations. Um, but Michelle Obama showed up at the unveiling of the portrait of her and Barack Obama, and she was very bright. <laughs> And so as a black woman with sister locks and then talking to my, my dear friend, Fee, Fia, um, who has dreads as well and a shaved head, I just want to get your reaction. So when you saw that, how did it make you feel? And what do you think is really the, the bigger story behind how she showed up so authentically for that such um, a ceremony? <laughs> Yes. Well, first off, if you don't, if you, if you don't have, um, if you don't have a, a Mr. Obama cheering you on and talking and, <laughs> and blowing up your head the way that he was doing hers in that moment, I absolutely love that. Um, somebody posted in the chat um, uh, something about lead by example, right? And um, this, I think you and I have talked about. We both of us talked about our locks, right? And how. I've been wanting to do this for years, but in corporate, we were being told, mm -mm, girl, that's not corporate hair. That ain't, if you want to rise up the ranks, you can't do it. And I said, you know what? That's crazy. And so when I turned 40, remember, I shaved my head off. I did the whole short hair, which is the picture that everybody sees. And that's old because I'm well over 40 now. But um, I, I did that. And, and for me, that was leading by example. What, what's wrong with my natural hair, right? Um, it's beautiful. And so many people follow suit. And so then when I said, hey, I want to lock my hair, um, again, it, it is, we, we have to be the change that we sometimes want to see. And I'm in a position of power in my company. And so, um, girl, I do it all. I'm a little extra sometimes. You might log on and I have a whole head wrap on, right? <laughs> um, I'm, a, I'm just going to, again, authentically be me because I shouldn't be judged on what my hair looks like. And so I thought that moment uh, of Michelle recognizing the power and the influence that she has on the world. And she's standing in her authenticity. I, the message was so loud, was so loud uh, for so many. And I'm going to tell you, we're going to see more people in the workplace now with locks in their hair because of that moment. We have to be sometimes the change that we want to see. And we have to utilize and recognize the platforms of power that we stand in and make sure that we're, we're showing up as an example. We're showing up in our authentic selves uh, because it gives people permission to do the same. No, I love that so much. And I know that we're out of time, but I have to just acknowledge that I see my dear friend um, and also another DEI practitioner that's doing amazing work in this space, Joe Little John Bostic. And, and I have to share this quick, quick story, but I remember when I first became a loose natural, um, I, I went through the trepidation as well. And I remember someone who I admired came to me and she said, you know what? You have just inspired me because for the longest I have been so wanting to wear my loose natural hair and I saw you do it and I saw Jill Little John do it and I was like if they can do it oh yes it's my time I can do it and so people yeah. are watching people are watching and I just absolutely love that so see you have really blessed us today and I am so honored so proud and so honored that um you and I continue to have this this relationship y'all get you a friend that calls you queen I really mean it I'm telling you I love that yes, about queen. you I love that about <laughs> you but I am just so grateful that you have shared space and time with this podcast community and I'm wishing you nothing but the best look Thank forward you. to continuing to see you soar and to create great change and I just appreciate and value Thank all you. that you bring to this this important space I want to give you the final 30 seconds to leave us with whatever it is that you're having a lot of energy and passion around that you want this community to know it's real simple life is too short if we have if we have COVID has taught us nothing else life is too short live the life that you want to live I give you permission right now 
don't worry about what other people say, because at the end of your journey, it's only going to be you and, and, and the creator. And so make sure that you're living authentically and that you're being intentional about living the life that you want to live. It's important. Your, you matter. Uh, who you were created to be matters. And when you unleash that, then uh, you unleash your power on the world. And that's where change happens. And so I encourage everyone to, to hashtag be you. Hashtag be you. On that note, thank you all so very much for joining us for the Intentional Conversations podcast. We hope that you will join us again next week where we will continue to intersect conversations of DEI with leadership and business. Have a safe and wonderful weekend. And again, see ya. So appreciate you. Thank you so much, Queen. Thank you, Queen. Thank you. Well, have a great day. Thank weekend. you, Queen. Bye.